You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. Good morning. I invite you to turn in your scriptures to, not to Joshua. We're going to the New Testament today, the book of Luke. Today, Luke 1, particular verse 26. Luke 1, uh, 26 is where we'll start. On your way there, I don't have a picture for this week. Uh, I did not get it in. I'm sorry for those that drew last week. My apologies to you. Keep drawing. Keep turning them in. Uh, Maybe you'll get some scenery from today as we read through it and illustrate what we're talking about. Um, As you go there as well, though, again, I just want to tag on to what Brandon said. Thank you again for so many for your help this week with the funeral. So many of you did things just behind the scenes, here and there, Panabars here, this here, whatever. Um, thank you for doing that. I really appreciate each, each of you. It's just neat to see the church come together. I think it was a blessing. What a great time. Thank you even just praying for that time. It was just a wonderful time. So anyway, we continue to pray for Pat. Glad you're here, Pat. Wonderful. So yeah, great. So all right. Well, let's read a familiar passage. We're just going to read through verse 35 this morning. Luke 1, 26. God's word says this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Let's pray again. Father, just again, we ask that by this same Spirit who overshadowed and gave birth to Christ here in Mary, Lord, we just pray that you would overshadow us with your presence as we read your word, as we study it and look at it. Father, in our time together, may the name of Jesus be the name that is exalted. There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Your name, Jesus. It's not Joseph, it's not Mary, it's not wise men or shepherds. Lord, lead us to you. And I pray even just for our season of celebrating, Lord, lead us to this name that saves, this great one that saves, and that we would respond by faith and belief. So, Lord, help us to believe what we even read today of your word, Lord, to trust you, to look to you. We ask this in your name. Amen. Well, we are into a, uh, we finished Joshua last last week through uh, that study, and we're going to be studying for the next couple weeks here through kind of the, the Advent season. Uh, we're going to be looking at the life of Mary. 
over the past few years, I've uh, done different studies. Uh, we've done, one year we, we looked at the shepherds some out in the fields. We looked at them. We looked at Joseph, I think. We've looked at the wise men. Last year we looked at kind of the gifts of Christmas and, and uh, the gift of God's Word and the Holy Spirit, uh, the gift of salvation, and then the, really God as the gift of the gospel um, of God himself. So we've looked at these things. And this year, we look at another famous character, really, of the Christmas narrative, and that of Mary. So, question, why study the life of Mary? Well, one, she's the subject of who Gabriel came to here in our text. The announcement comes to her. She's the woman through whom Jesus, the Son of God, is born. It's quite significant. And I also think, along as we saw like in the, in the life of Joshua and his leadership of Israel, to be strong and courageous, I think we can glean things from Mary's life here and how she, as a human, interacted with the divine in the birth of Jesus, the scope of God's plan. That's kind of the goal, to, to look at her. But there's a word of caution as I even say that. There's a word of caution as we look at the life of Mary. The temptation here may be to set our gaze just, just on this woman of God who submitted to the Lord's will in her life. She birthed the Savior. Maybe even come close to, to exonerating her as kind of a more than mere human status. And, and that's what the Catholic Church does in their, their Mariology. I'm going to look at that a little bit. So we want to learn from Mary, but we want to also see through Mary the God she exalted. So that as we see this, the powerful work of God and the advent of the Savior. We, we see it through someone like us, through Mary. So we're looking at how does Mary deal with this and what are her, her how does she act through this? But Mary, like us, is in, is in need of as much grace as we are. So I guess the real desire is that you and I, we, we don't want to respond through these weeks and go, wow, what a great Mary was somebody great. We, we want to respond, look at the great God she worshipped. Look at him. She was favored by God. We're going to look at that. We see that in her text. But we want to respond to the one who's worthy of worship, to Jesus, the Son of God, the Holy One. So that's kind of an important word of caution to me, the preacher, to you, the listener, that, that we learn from her, but also we want to be tied to what what the story is about, the central figure of the story of Jesus. So the series title, with that caution said, the series title is, is Mary, and I'm making a play on words here, and that's okay. I don't do it often. It's Mary. So we're going with modeling a response to Yahweh. Modeling a response to Yahweh. So our response, again, directed to Mary, we're looking at her modeling a response to Yahweh. So this week, we're looking at Mary that has some questions. We're going to see those. Maybe you've seen those already. She's got questions. God has answers. Next week, we're going to see Mary believes the word of the Lord. She responds in faithful obedience. As we inch closer to Christmas, I think that faithful obedience, that submission leads to worship. Worship of the Lord leads to praise. She'll say, my soul magnifies the Lord. Again, it's not, this is not Mary central. This is magnify the Lord central. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And then we want to look back. Then as we close out the month, really, Mary's road to the cross. 
living out a walk with God. We see she is favored. She was favored. There's there's a certain blessing of being the, the mother of the Lord. But there's a life here, I think, filled with trial. For the virgin birth led to the bloody cross. That sweet night of Bethlehem, although those that have experienced labor would say that's not so sweet, but that night, as we picture it, you know, they're all starry sky, all these things. Visit of the Magi in time led to a weekend of loss, really, and burial of her son. So we want to look at that, that part as well. For this morning, though, let's, let's center in on our text, verses 26 through, through 35. And in our text here, we've essentially, we're going to see two questions from Mary. And, and then the response or the answer from the angel or the messenger of God, Gabriel. So two questions. One is a little more internal. She's thinking it. Verse 29, she, she's trying to discern what sort of greeting might this be? That's kind of first question. What kind of greeting is this? And then the second question is a little more clear. Verse 34, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Those two questions. Questions are not all bad, are they? They're good. We can a- ask questions. And God's word answers all the important questions for us and the important ones. Some of our questions will never be answered, perhaps this side of heaven. Maybe in heaven they will be. But I believe God has answered in his word all the ultimate questions. We may not understand some of our questions, the Lord, why this story, why this reading, certain ideas. Um, But I think for us, the question for our belief in the word of God, does it answer life's ultimate questions? And I think they're here. I believe God's word answers them. Not all of ours, but all of his answer for us in our state. So we're looking at some of her questions. And Mary has some, as we've mentioned, as Gabriel comes to her here. So let's look at the first one as we look at just verses 26 again through 29. Let me read it again. Reading it more than once is good for us to hear it again and again. Verse 26, starting in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And here it is, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. You see her question there? It's kind of hidden. It's more of a thought than anything verbalized. She just wonders, what kind of greeting is this? This is quite the greeting. A couple ways we could describe this. One is it's a divine greeting. It's divine. Gabriel, he's the same angel who just in this chapter has just spoken to Zechariah in verse 13, that Zechariah and Elizabeth, in their old age, they would have a son named John. We know him as John the Baptist. And this same angel now comes and he speaks to Mary. He is sent, as verse 26, he's sent from God. So we see here, these are not necessarily Gabriel's words, but the words of God, of Yahweh, greeting Mary, the divine greeting, and says, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. So it's a divine greeting. It's also a greeting of grace. It's a greeting of grace. So Gabriel sent to a person, Mary, 
It's also sent to a person of a place. Mary is from, you see in the text, a city of Galilee named Nazareth. If you remember Nathaniel talking about Nazareth, you'll remember his question when hearing about Jesus being from there, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Uh, D.A. Carson makes this comment on, on Nathaniel's response to this Nazareth. That's where, that's, where they're from, that's where he's from. He says, as Galileans were frequently despised by the people from Judea, so it appears that even fellow Galileans despised Nazareth. So God's messenger, his plan is not sent to those of a high social status or from a place of esteem, like a great place. It's sent to a virgin of Nazareth. That's where the plan is focused, and her name is Mary. She's betrothed, which is, in essence, she's already married to Joseph. They have not come together yet, but they're betrothed. I think there's a lot more seriousness to that than, than our kind of engagement of these days. And Joseph, too, as we, we looked at at the end of Joshua last week in Matthew, he, too, is visited by an angel. I think presumably Gabriel says the same thing about and talks about the son to be born, to call him Jesus. We looked at that last week. But it's not just God's grace just to address someone from Nazareth. There's grace to address someone not from a high and lofty place. But the very greeting itself is a greeting of grace. I, I think literally you could translate, I translated, you could say greetings of happiness graced upon one. We've got maybe in your text, favored one. Greetings of happiness, O oh, graced upon one. Grace is, has come upon one. Grace is in the greeting. Look also, look at verse 30. Gabriel's response to Mary's, her trouble at the greeting. Verse 30, the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor or, or grace with God. And here, right at this point, it's important to distinguish the source of grace. The favored one, the graced upon one, where is that grace coming from? The God of grace. Now, Catholicism, with a heavy emphasis, really worship of Mary, if not part of the Trinity, it's close, they come with the translation to this, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. The translation... Hail Mary, maybe you've heard this, full of grace. Let's switch here. Hail Mary, full of grace. Here's what one commentator says, Leon Morris. He says, Gabriel reassures her as he had done with Zechariah. He tells Mary not to be afraid for she has found favor with God. It is, of course, a complete misunderstanding to translate Hail Mary, full of grace and understand the words to mean that Mary would be a source of grace to other people. Gabriel is saying simply that God's favor rests on her. Do you hear the, the, there's maybe a subtleness to that? God's grace to you, Mary. Grace upon you. I mean, how we would greet, grace upon you. Not you're full of grace, you're the new source of grace, anything like that. They take these verses, this call, and they take from these verses here a, really a call for prayer, to pray the, pray the Hail Mary. Maybe some of you have a background of that. To, to seek Mary, the gracious one, seek her intercession. And they exalt Mary as, as the mother of God. Now, that's true. She was the mother of 
of Jesus, mother of God, which is right. But then from that derives a host of unbiblical beliefs. Some of them, the assumption of Mary, she went to heaven without ever dying. We're not, we're not told of that. Another one, the perpetual virginity of Mary. She's always a virgin, never had Jesus brothers. No, that's another way she just stayed virgin, All per, the perpetual virginity of Mary. Uh, Matthew one twenty five would seem to dispute that if you need a reference. There's the immaculate conception. Immaculate conception. That does not refer to Jesus' birth. That refers to Mary's birth, that Mary was born sinless, born without original sin or inherited sin is another way to say that, without original sin. And it's a doctrine we just we don't find in Scripture. But rather this this here, this is just it's a greeting of grace, God's grace upon Mary, really upon the sinful world. Here's what Calvin says kind of in, in opposition to seeing Mary as something more than what She's a servant of God. He says this, But if, if Mary's happiness, righteousness, and life flow from the undeserved love of God, that is, from His grace to her, if her virtues and all her excellence are nothing more than the divine kindness, it is the height of absurdity to tell us that we should seek from her what she derives from another quarter in the same manner as ourselves. With extraordinary ignorance have the papists, Catholicism, by an enchanter's trick, changed the salutation into a prayer and have carried their folly so far that their preachers are not permitted in the pulpit to implore the grace of the Spirit except through their Hail Mary. The ESV Study Bible says it maybe more succinctly. Mary is the recipient of God's grace, not the giver of grace. And that's where we can put ourselves... In Mary, yes, receiver of God's grace, for we need his grace. But to pray, to, to see her as an intercessor, that's Christ's work. That's the Spirit's work on us. So rather than grace being a, given, a, a title given to Mary, it's God's grace upon Mary. And again, don't be afraid, Mary. You don't need to fear this message of this plan. God's grace is coming to you. So it's a divine greeting. It's a gracious greeting. It's also, as we look further, verse 31, it's a historical and royal greeting. What kind of greeting is this? You've got divine, there's grace going on. There's history here. At least, at least two things, if not more, historically are being fulfilled here. One is the prophecy of Isaiah to King Ahaz, uh, as well as the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. Th- those two things at least so historically, Isaiah 7, 14, uh, you remember, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and, and shall call his name Emmanuel. This is, this is spoken in the midst of wicked King Ahaz. Seems he would rather, and I read one, one place, rather kind of be uh, trusting in, the, in the, the armies of men rather than in God. And God's saying, trust me, but, but Ahaz doesn't want to do that. God's, and God says, ask for a sign. He doesn't want to ask for a sign. It says, God says, a sign will be given that you can trust the Lord. And the sign is, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And, and I believe here there's a near fulfillment to this. So there's a fulfillment in, in that time of Isaiah. There's a fulfillment. And yet, there's also that looking beyond. There's the already, the not yet, and we're kind of in the 
the coming to its fulfillment of Christ here. Hear the angel. You're going to conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Ultimately, man can fear not for God has come. He's going to be with us. So we see Isaiah historically being fulfilled even in this greeting. Uh, secondly, Second Samuel 7. There's also verses in Second Samuel 7. So you've got Isaiah 7, 2 Samuel 7. That promise of a forever line of David's throne. David, king of Israel, and this line. Just look at in these verses 32 and 33. Look in there and just savor the descriptions of your Savior. If you know Christ, this describes your Savior. He will be great. He will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. What's a throne? Verse 33, he's going to reign over the house of Jacob forever. Of his kingdom, there will be no end. There's no end to it. It's a forever kingdom. We studied in Sunday school this morning the kingdoms that would come and go throughout history. Jesus' kingdom, Messiah's kingdom is fine. It's forever. So that we can even kind of hearken back to Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, that says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. There's this historical fulfillment of prophecy. There's royal fulfillment. The king is coming. The king in line of David, the forever king, is coming. He will have a reign that will not end. What a greeting. To a young virgin from Nazareth. Mary vocalizes her next question in verse 34. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Now, the virgin here, uh, it really, in the Greek, you've got, some of you have the notes here. I think the King James gets this and also something called the Net Bible how will this be since I do not know a man? And I'm not getting into that more, parents, but you got the idea. How will this be? That she's going, so we know the way natural things work. How will this be? But can you catch the spirit of her question? If somebody else asked a question in this chapter when they were told you're going to have a son. It was Zachariah. Uh, look at this. He, he asked... Uh, Let's see here. Here it is, verse 18. You look, you're there, Luke 1. Go back to 18. Here's, here's the proclamation of Gabriel to, to, to Zechariah. And he has this question. So you're going to have a son, Zechariah, in your old age. And Zechariah says, how shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. Zechariah's question is kind of a, how am I going to know? I'm, I'm old. How do I know this? Mary's here seems to be different. It doesn't ask how am I going to know? It's just, how will this be? 
I think based on the context, and we're going to see it more next week even, of, I think of belief, of faith, there seems to me, I see a certain assurance of what Mary believes will take place. I, I don't think she's like, I don't know how this is going to, I don't think you can do that. There's a kind of just, okay, maybe underwritten, okay, I don't know how, but I know you do this. You see the subtle difference of how am I going to know this is going to take place to it's gonna, I just don't know how, that's not natural. It's a subtle difference, but there's, I think there's belief there. How? It's God's doing. I mean, one of our, I'll just, it, I gotta say it here, one of our favorite lines coming away from seminary, we don't know how, but we know who. Mary here doesn't know how, but I believe she knows who has spoken to her. God has apply for a lot of situations. I don't know how this is going to take place, but I know who. I know who controls all things. So look at verse 35 then, because an answer will come. The angel's going to tell her. It's not natural. Verse 35, and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. One notes from, a, from another Bible says this. The phrase will overshadow. You see it? The Most High will overshadow you. It's a reference to God's glorious presence at work. We hear it, I think, in the Psalms. There's a place in, there's a place in Exodus where it overshadows. God's presence overshadows. I think it's Moses in the tabernacle, I believe. There's this overshadowing. Here the Holy Spirit's going to come upon. The power of the Most High is going to overshadow Mary. So this child can be said to be born of a woman, born under law, as Galatians 4 tells us, but also born of God and so be the only Redeemer who can be a perfect sacrifice. I want to look here just at three things. Uh, Theologian Wayne Grudem, some of you, um, our high school uh, friends, elders, you've got that thick book maybe at home of Wayne Grudem. There's, There's... Three doctrinal importances related to this virgin birth. Why is this important? I'm going to read them. They're brief. Why is this important doctrinally that that we believe this happened? She did not know a man. This was of God. Number one, he says, it shows that salvation ultimately must come from the Lord. Groom points out, he shows that God is the one behind bringing Christ through the virgin into the world. This is God's fullness of time plan to do this. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow. And by the way, that's the only way we know Christ as well. His work. Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again by God himself. Number two, the virgin birth made possible the uniting of full deity and full humanity in one person. Points out here, Grudem points out, that the Lord could have done it other ways, but this way, the way that this happened, have you thought about the way, how this happened? The way this happened shows so perfectly the unity and yet distinctiveness of the two natures of Christ in one man. Two natures in one man. How does this? They had great debates. How, how is this uh, 
together? How does this happen? Great debates over this. His deity and humanity being born of a virgin, but born of God. This union and yet two natures of Christ. His deity and his humanity in Christ. So there's the uniting of these. Number three, lastly, the virgin birth also makes possible Christ's true humanity without inherited sin or original sin. So all of us, all of us have fallen short the glory of God. All of us have sinned. We're born in sin. You can call it inherited sin or original sin. Christ was born, but the virgin birth shows how he could remain sinless. And we might not understand all the interesting, how is that? Well, you know, and if, because Joseph, uh, he gets into, Joseph is not in the picture, that sort of thing. And, and well, does, it, does sin come through Mary? No, he's born of the Holy Spirit here. And so it helps us. We might not get all those deeper questions, but helps us understand this is how his true humanity comes, and yet he does not, he's not born in sin. And he's called something here at the last part. The child to be born will be called then holy, the Son of God. That's what he's called. That's who Jesus is. He's the sinless one. He's the greater Adam who would come, who would live perfectly, live the righteous life we could not, to die a death we deserved, to take on the weight of our sin that we might be saved through him. So the questions, what kind of, what sort of greeting is this? Mary wonders, how will this be? Her questions are answered with the grace and might that ultimately Jesus brings to sinners. Because of Jesus' divine reign, he can answer our greatest need. What's that need? It's to reconcile us before a holy God, to redeem us as sons and daughters of God. We're going to have other questions. I'm not saying the Bible answers all our questions in terms of temporarily, I'm troubled at this, I see this. How's God going to take care of this? What's he going to do in this situation? Who do I marry? When will this particular trial be over? We're going to have these questions. But I think we see in this passage two things. I'm going to, I'm going to close on these important questions answered. We're going to see more next week with Mary. More her, her asking by faith, I think. But I think, again, as I said, the flavor of her questions, I think we see humble belief. Lord, I trust you. She's just wondering how. Can we ask God questions, Lord? How is this going to? Yes. Pray, Lord, may my questions come from a heart of faith. And Lord, where, where that faith is struggling, Lord, give me belief. Help me believe you that you can do this. I don't know how. Help me to believe you are who you say you are. In, in her case, God answers. And yet many times we, we must trust God for unanswered questions but then thankful ultimately for his ultimate answers to, to the big ones. What's our problem? He's answered. It's sin. Why is there evil corruption in the world? God has an answer for that. What's the solution? The Holy One has provided an answer. Where do I go when I die? He's provided. He's answered. Those in Christ, paradise. Those without Christ, hell. He's an answer. And the answer 
really then centers not on how great Mary's faith was, though it seems like she had faith to trust him, not on her skill or her being full of grace. She was graced upon. The ultimate answer is Jesus. It's the name of Jesus. As Isaiah 9, uh, as we see here, the Holy One, but Isaiah 9, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You know that Prince of Peace. He's going to reign forever on high. The one overshadowed by the Spirit of God will overshadow us with his presence. And he's given his Spirit to dwell with us. And so I think because of Jesus, because of his divine reign, and we see this royal, this reign, this kingdom, this throne, he can answer our greatest need. Today we can celebrate this, and I know we hear these words, yes, we're reconciled to God, we're adopted as his children. Do you understand? Do I understand this morning what that means? There's a holy God, I'm deserving of his wrath, because of Christ, this perfect one who died on the cross, was a substitute. But through faith in him, I'm made right and I'm reconciled. I can pray today. I can lean on today in whatever my day finds me or this week. I can lean on the presence of God, that, I, that we know him through Christ, that we're adopted as his children, as sons of God. I don't think even I understand enough of the greatness of what we read here in his word. Got questions? Jesus is the answer. It's not, it's not bad. It's not a bad Sunday school answer. I know sometimes we joke about that. Jesus, what's the answer? Jesus. May the life of Mary and her questions point us to say, Lord, how? I believe you, how? And we're going to look later on than in the weeks to come of that life. Let me pray for us. Father, I, I fear because I know my own heart, so I'll just pray that and pray for us as a congregation. Lord, may we be drawn to the magnificent Savior, the almighty King of Kings, Jesus, this Christmas season and beyond. May we savor you more than we do. Father, I would pray today as we've talked about faith and belief, seeing that in Mary, Lord, that you would give us that belief to say we trust you, Lord. We, we don't know how this is all going to go, but you've given us your word, so help us to trust your word and trust what you've told us and said to us, that you are great and that salvation is through Jesus alone. Help us to live out that belief, Lord. Live out trusting you, worshiping you, Lord, in our lives. And may we shine as lights, Lord, to a world around us that's in darkness. As we thought about this week, Lord, in this dark world, Lord, may we shine the light, not of Mary, but of Christ to this world. And we pray this in your name. Amen. You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.